Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. In this episode, we speak with Jeremy Meltzer, a social entrepreneur who is the founder of iEqual Change. iEqual Change is a fast-growing social enterprise which partners online retailers with some of the world's most impactful NGOs. After a life-changing experience while living in Cuba, Jeremy set out to find a solution to empower women and girls around the world. After discovering that 77% of consumers have the desire to buy from brands that clearly give back to the community, he launched iEqual Change in 2014 to provide online retailers with a way to give back with every sale to develop projects around the world. Jeremy's a sought-after keynote speaker and recently gave a TEDx talk on how investing in women and girls will be one of the greatest drivers of growth and stability this century. Jeremy, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We're very excited. This is going to be a big week uh, at the Start Me Up Hong Kong 2017 Festival. And so for our audience that's listening and tuning in uh, across the region, can you just please give us a little quick intro on who you are and what do you do? Yes, thank you for having me. Um, so my name is Jeremy Meltzer from Australia, and I'm the founder of iEqual Change. And we have built a cause marketing platform for online retailers to enable them to give back to extraordinary development projects around the world and receive the, the marketing benefits of doing so. Fantastic. And um, so you, uh, I was just reading up on your bio, you are a, what's called a social entrepreneur. Um, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey to how you got to where you are now. Um, how was the idea conceived for uh, launching something like I Equal Change? Um, and just, you know, maybe a little bit of color of why you took this path in your life. Absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I could talk for hours. <laughs> I'll, give <you> the, <laughs> I'll give you the short version. Look, this was a, a very, ultimately very personal journey. When I was uh, 21 years old, I, I found myself in living in Havana in Cuba. And I lived there for four months and I had a Cuban girlfriend and through her, I met a lot of the community and lived very much as a local. And one thing that uh, I started to notice occurring over and over again, where we would sit with her friends at night and we'd chat and a bottle of rum would come out and we'd have these sort of spontaneous parties. And I started to hear these stories from her girlfriend, stories of, uh, of abuse and stories of violence from from the men who were their partners and, and boyfriends and husbands. And I remember thinking at the time, you know, I, I, I don't understand what's happening. Like, why is this so normal that these girls will talk about it at a party? And where I came from, it was complete aberration. And that sort of sent me on this journey to understand initially what was the cause of, of the abuse and violence against women. And I've since realised, you know, it's, it's an enormous issue globally. So every chance I've had to travel in the last sort of 15 odd years, I've gone and met with NGOs. In fact, just two days ago, we were with an NGO who were working to uh, try to end trafficking in Cambodia. 
really sort of inspiring and heartbreaking few days. And so it's an example of, you know, reaching out to these NGOs to understand sort of what's happening globally. And then I, I come from this at the same time, this sort of very entrepreneurial background. Both my parents sort of were always entrepreneurs. They never had bosses. They always did their own thing. And that was always very inspiring to me. Mm. And so dad and I have a olive oil business in Australia, and okay. we were doing quite well in the US selling online. We've been featured in the New York Times, et cetera. And I had one of those ideas that uh, I think we all have these ideas at about 3 a.m. There's something about 3 in the morning, and most of the time it's best just to go back to sleep and forget about them. But um, this one, sort of 10 o'clock in the morning uh, that day, I thought, hold on. You know, you want to make sure you, you had a coffee before you think about it again. I thought, hold on, th this could be... This could be interesting. And, and I think like most ideas that are good, it was, it, it was a simple idea. And the idea was simply, what if we used our business to give back with every sale? To Because what I'd realized that these NGOs, these charities, all they need is money to do their work. And a small amount of money in the developing world can go a long way and help whole communities and whole villages and, and really accelerate change in those communities uh, so and i realized you know that the business has always operated traditionally very separately from the not-for-profit uh, world mm. and i thought what if we could bring these two worlds together in a really compelling win-win solution for everyone and the idea i had was to flip the model i thought what if instead of asking our customers to make a donation what if we make a donation as the brand what if we gave back and we commit to giving back authentically and transparently with every sale and in doing so, not only do we give back and build that into the DNA of our brand, but we actually empower our customers to make a choice. We give them the choice as to where it goes. And so that sort of was the beginning of a very long journey to work out how would the UX work and how would that operate and what was the sort of the ecosystem that we could. I mean, initially we built it for our family business and we had a really great response when we went live with, I mean, looking back, it was a very clunky version of what we went live with, right. but it worked and we had about a 4% increase in sales within three months and hundreds of people talking about it on social media. It, it was sort of such a surprise to customers that we were giving back as a brand and they could choose yeah. where it goes to one of three or four projects. So that was sort of the genesis of the idea and that really became the, the, the foundation of then wanting to build a platform into something that other retailers could plug into and become mm -hmm. a solution for them to give back as well. Right. I think it's that's a great idea. I mean, so here's my question to you, taking a, a little step back, Jeremy. So the olive oil business that you and your father ran, that was already, that was fine. It was profitable and everything was running smoothly, right? Yeah, look, it, it was a small business, mm -hmm. but it was ticking along and it was making a bit of money with every sale. And, you know, I, I think you're alluding to a good point because traditionally philanthropy has been about make your money, then give back. Right. It's been about make right. your millions and then give back. And it, typically it's like old people who are giving back in their 70s once they've mm -hmm. made their millions. Mm -hmm. The millennial generation, now more than ever, are actually want to work for companies that are giving back and want to build businesses that give back with every sale. I mean, social enterprise it's really interesting, is now one of the fastest growing movements in business. Mm -hmm. And brands now are building in from day one a giving component. So it's a really exciting development, and we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. I mean, the U.S. is ahead of all of us in terms of doing this. Mm -hmm. In fact, in the U.S. now, increasingly, you're less relevant if you haven't built some giving component That's right. into what you stand for as a brand. So it's a really exciting in Asia-Pac to see this starting as well. We're a few years behind, but it's definitely gathering steam. Yeah, absolutely. So... As a small business, exactly what you said, you know, I think most people, a small business usually just 
is concerned about their bottom line. Now, uh, it's interesting to hear when you said that your sales immediately went up as a result of that. So that actually probably helped your bottom line in the long run because of sort of the buzz that it was generating. And so I, I think it's fascinating. And, and I do agree that having some sort of social program uh, along with your brand is, is almost a must have these days. And I think it's, it's a brilliant idea. At 3 a.m. when you came up with this idea, it must have just been brewing in your head because of the experience you had in Cuba. And at the same time, did you actually foresee it as potentially being able to increase your bottom line in your business? Or was it purely, okay, I want to do something uh, for social change? Look, for, for me, the driver was what if we could empower these NGOs? And our focus mm. is, because it's something I've been passionate about, is women and girls, is unlocking that right. potential of women and girls globally. And so mm. it was really about having met with these organizations around the world who just needed a small amount of, of extra money to do their work. So the mm. intention was very much, how do we just help them do their work? The marketing side of it really came later. And, and I mean, when I built it, I thought, wow, what if we could build this? Once we had that uptick in sales with our family business, I thought, what if we could create a plug and play solution for other online retailers? So they could be give back. But I knew the language of business and I knew it had to resonate as much as a marketing initiative. And so when we started really thinking about how do we create this now, you know, what can be a global platform, which is what it's becoming now for brands, how do we take I equal change, which is what it's called, and turn it into something that offers a lot of real-time value back to the brands who have chosen to commit to, to giving back with every sale. And so we, we very much built it through that lens, knowing that ultimately – when we're speaking to business owners, we want to be able to talk about the marketing benefits rather than lead with what are the social benefits. And so right. we've been very analytical, you know, really uh, testing and A-B testing and refining constantly the, the platform so that we can really prove, you know, using digital tools and prove how it is driving increased awareness, increased traffic, increased sales. In fact, it's really exciting because we've been testing basically how it works is there's a platform that pops up post-purchase, which is mm. branded for each company, which talks about the fact that they're giving back. And so that works well because it doesn't add an extra step to the checkout. Right. Yet at the same time, customers don't know about it until after they've purchased. And so oh, yes. we've been testing with a number of our really our busier brands. What if they put messaging pre-purchase the fact that they're because it's really a powerful brand statement to say we give back with every sale right. so we unlock some really exciting data late 2016 which is we trialed some different messaging and we found a messaging that is has proven to increase conversions by decreasing abandoned cart which means people are obviously you know, more inclined to go through with the purchase when putting things in their basket by a six yes. percent now six percent increase in conversion is enormous yeah, it's far surpassing the cost of donations which makes this thing so exciting and we're really expecting a really dynamic year an exciting year because i know that if you can you know at the end of the day in the language of business if you can prove increasing sales it becomes an absolute no-brainer sure this is a very very interesting study and, and and not study but you know a segment that you're working in um a friend of mine is actually doing something similar in that social change for corporates and basically he's set up a program where under privileged high school students in the philippines are learning to do sort of SEO and social media marketing. And basically what he's doing is he's offering a program that companies in Hong Kong can actually pay a small fee and have these an individual uh, dedicated person handling their SEO and social media marketing. 
And the cost is probably a tenth of what they're paying to a large marketing agency here yeah. in Hong Kong. Yeah. How, and, and, you know, at the same time, they get to put that tag on their, their home website or whatever saying, you know, our social media marketer or SEO marketer is um, in the Philippines and they get to do a little testimonial. So it's a win-win really because it actually it, it's cheaper uh, it's more cost-effective, and it's it's for good social social cause, right? Yeah, it is. I think that's I think that's a good example. I think at the same time, transparency is really important. Mm. So, you know, when I give talks, I give examples of how I'm not sure. Like in Australia, we had the Mount Franklin, which is a water bottle. And mm. it was always unclear. They had the pink ribbon for breast cancer. And right. if you looked at the fine print, like it said, you know, 1% of profits, which we all know can mean everything and nothing, and didn't say where it went. If you could find it, it said in the even fine, fine print, it said, you know, once we raise $50,000, it caps out. So you can be buying that bottle of water and not no money can be going anywhere because the 50000 has has been raised. So it's... What, what we built with Eichel Change is I thought, how do we create something that is super transparent and authentic mm. and enable brands to build into the DNA that component such that it's it's beyond reproach from the customer perspective? So, you know, I think, I think what you mentioned is a good example. And yet I think it's really important to clarify what's the impact on the communities. So it's great yeah. to be able to say you're employing someone in the developing world, fantastic. But then you know, it, all our research has shown that, you know, customers then want to know where that money's gone. They want to know how it's changing people's lives. They want to know the impact it's had. And it's really great because what it offers the business at the same time is all this fantastic access to content. You know, there's only so much businesses can talk about how fantastic their products and services are and discount them, et cetera. But if you can genuinely have genuinely committed to giving back, it gives you wonderful content to access, which touches people's heart. It's about content people, you know, the lives you've changed and how much you've raised and where it's going, and you can run competitions and you can engage your, you know, across social media. And so it really opens up a whole new world for brands to be able to have these really authentic conversations with customers about who they are beyond the products that they sell. And they giving them giving them essentially a purpose beyond profit. That's pretty powerful. Um, so, Jeremy, can you just give us a quick example? Let's say, okay, let's say, for example, I'm running my own olive oil brand and uh, small business. And let's say I approach you because I like what you're doing. And how would I implement that directly into my, uh, my sort of uh, business? Yeah, so if you're selling online, uh, mm. you would basically connect with us and we would have a conversation about what you do. We've built the platform to work across, you know, Magento, et cetera, and Shopify and, you know, most of the large mm. e-com uh, platforms. And mm. so we essentially, we have a, like at iCallChange.com, you can see the projects that we support and we do a lot of due diligence on those projects. So we asked our customers to choose three because how it works is that on every retailer's platform, there's three projects. And so the retailer chooses then the three projects that they want to support. And we bundle that up into a preview platform so they can, with their branding and their colors, et cetera. So the whole idea is as a, as a customer journey, you still it still looks like you're experiencing the brand post-purchase because this thing pops up on the thank you page post-purchase. It doesn't oh, it doesn't okay. send you anywhere else. It's like a little light box that appears. Mm. And mm -hmm. it's the same branding and colors of, of the, you know, the brand that you're shopping with. And then the retailer approves that and we integrate it with them, which is really generally very simple, and go live. And what's cool is we had this idea to build a, on the platform, there's a track our impact button, which leads me as a customer to that retailer's live giving page which we host at iequalchange.com. So I can see in real time 
how much I've helped raise and where it's going and who the, oh. who the CEO is of the company and are really helping to humanize the brand. So we've kind of built that transparency piece. It's embedded into our site. And if you go to the homepage, you can see a global feed of how much we've raised from all our retailers. So we've kind of reimagined how we can do this with complete transparency in real time. That's actually really nice because it's it's taking it one step further, really just opening the entire kimono, mm -hmm. right? So to see exactly what has been raised to date um, and the whole portfolio of people that are involved, right? Absolutely. And then you can see the projects and where it's going and what does $5 do. And you can see, like, if you go into the individual project, you can see how much has been raised just for that project and how $5 can keep a girl in school for another day and where that is. Like, we're supporting an amazing project in Rwanda. And that's helping Rwandan women are rebuilding Rwanda after the genocide. And so there's, you know, that's one example of about 16 projects that we have. And so we're really proud. I mean, we, we've, um, we, we're working across 14 countries at the moment in terms of the development projects. We have impacted over 60,000 people uh, with the money that we've raised. We're working now in partnership with some of the most iconic retailers in Australia, partnering now with US brands that are coming on board. Mm. So it's getting mm. really exciting and gives me a lot of lot of pride, I, I, I guess, to, to know yeah. that this was an idea and now we're really making a positive impact on people's lives. That's amazing, Jeremy. From 3 a.m. lying awake in your bed, fast forward to now, you're making a serious change in the world. So it's, it's amazing to hear that. Congratulations on that. No, look, thank you. Look, it's something, you know, and, and, and it, I mean, I guess to add value to your listeners, I mean, to do anything well is hard. Mm. And to do something simple is hard. And you know, my humble advice is that if you have an idea, test it rigorously. And then devote yourself to it and keep checking in with what the universe delivers in terms of, you know, the doors that open. And it's important not to be too – I mean, if, if I was very stubborn with my initial version, like none of this would have happened. So I've really run other businesses, et cetera. I've really honed in on like, okay, how do I go out and really that minimal viable product model? How do we keep yeah. testing and refining and testing and refining? Yeah. And so – what, what we've built, I mean, I still think we're just starting as we are, but it's mm. already it's on the back of a lot of testing and a lot of refining and a lot of listening, a lot of reaching out to mentors. And that's really the trick because no one person has the answers. But if you have a good idea, you will get that feedback that it's a good idea. And, and it's really part of a beautiful part of the part of the journey is to be open to people you respect and to reach out and to continuously improve until you've really built something that will stand up at a global level. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so you are a quite, quite a seasoned public speaker. You gave a very sort of evocative uh, TEDx talk. I watched it um, earlier, and um, maybe you can just uh, give us the, just the summary of what your message there was. Yeah, thank you. Look, it, that was uh, a message ultimately about men's violence against women and how can men become the solution to this global ancient issue. And so it was ultimately about how do we raise consciousness around this issue because it's it's an issue that has been living largely in the shadows. Uh, by that I mean behind people's closed doors at homes. It's been normalised within communities in, in such that it's expected 
We believe it's a, it's a personal issue, but it, the fact is it's everyone's issue. And I could talk about that one for hours because this is, this is sort of the idea that kind of was the foundation of building I Could Change. I wanted to raise money mm. from those NGOs. But right. I guess as, as, as a man working in this issue and speaking about this issue of violence against women, it's a really important topic. It, it's, and what's interesting is that this topic globally has shifted to men. Nothing's really going to, we'll be talking about this issue 500 years from now, unless in the next five years, men actually realize that every woman could be our sister, our daughter, our mother under different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so how we treat the women in our lives is symbolic of that awareness and to have the respect and integrity for ourselves and the person, the women in our lives. And also when we see something that doesn't feel right, to have the courage to speak out. And that's often all it takes is just the courage to say, you know what, that's that's not cool. Yeah. And you say to your friend, like, actually, that's not. I don't accept that. That's not cool. Like, what if someone spoke that way about your sister? And a, right. a really simple, fairly benign comment like that can tell your friend, for example, that that's no longer acceptable and can mm-hmm. actually start to shift and create a new normal. So my talk was ultimately about the engagement of men, about uh, how big this is globally and about how important it is because – there's actually a good news story, very briefly, I'll share with you, in that we know that when we empower women to realize their fullest potential, whole communities benefit. So holding women back from education, holding women back from the same levels of nutrition and healthcare and access to opportunities and resources, we're actually impoverishing ourselves. But we just we don't know that because we don't realize it. We're not aware of it. Mm. And so you look at the most functional societies in the world, it's where women are most engaged in public life and when they're most empowered and when they're most educated. If you look at the basket cases on the planet, it's where women are hidden away and girls are denied education. In many respects, it's as simple as that. And so it's up to all of us as men, I believe, to actively become agents of change in this space. Yeah, it was such a powerful message. You know, I mean, sort of the, the thesis at the conclusion was you were arguing that Essentially, this attitude and and trying to enact this change in the way that we view and treat uh, women and empowering them, you were saying that you were arguing that that would be one of the drivers for stability in in our in our world. Um, and I think that's a very unique perspective. You know, people are people worry about things like the markets and where oil's heading and what what the next geopolitical crisis is going to be. You know, and and no one actually looks at it from that perspective, that the one that you presented. So I thought that that was very interesting. Yeah, look, we, we had this very emotional reaction to this idea of the market, and it's all emotional, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know, confidence in the market is simply that. It's human confidence. And yet we, we have indexes and we have the results and from, you know, from every large NGO in the world uh, and small. If you, if you look at most NGOs, you go to their homepages, most of them focus on women and girls. Right. And it's not a mistake. It's because they've realized that you, it's actually you get a higher social and economic return when you invest in women and girls. And so this, this stuff has been proven now over and right. over again. And we've only seen the tip of the iceberg in terms of what's possible. I mean, to, to go back to Rwanda for a minute, I, I was there about 12 months ago and you know, the country was devastated after the genocide. And the president knew that he had to unlock the potential of women and girls to create stability, reconciliation and to grow the country. There's more women now in parliament in Rwanda than any other country in the world. Wow. And it is the fastest growing economy in Africa now, the ninth fastest growing economy in the world. Now, who would think Rwanda, right? Right. But this tiny little East African country has been rebuilt mostly by women and girls who have very senior roles in in, in government, at the executive level, in the public and private sector. And it's really incredible what's happened in the last 21 years since, 22 years since 
the genocide. So I think that's a really fascinating case study for what's possible when you kind of start again, as they did after the tragedy of the genocide, and unleash their potential on the country, which President Kagame did in his wisdom, knowing that it was so important to rebuild the country as, as quickly and as powerfully as possible. Right, right. That's, yeah, wow, Rwanda. Yeah, I know, who would think? <laughs> who would think, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Jeremy, what, so you, you, you mentioned that you, you feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg for what you are trying to do, the change that you want to see uh, happen in the world. What projects and what specific goals do you have for this year in 2017 uh, you know, both personal and for iEqual Change? The goal now is to really accelerate iEqual Change, mm. to have hundreds of brands on board and, and to really make this the global giving platform to give back and support extraordinary projects. So we're, we're building other components where we've got newsletters and EDMs that go back, letting customers know the impact of the donations, which celebrate the brand. And so where the brand really becomes the hero. So there's a big communication piece we're working on at the moment, which we plan to be rolling out in the next couple of months. And so that's exciting as well. And, and, and a blog that talks about the issues globally. And so now that we've sort of proven it and we've got some, some great brands on board, it's really about adding as much value as we can to the retailers. So this becomes a must have. That's kind of the, the, the goal. Right. It looks very simple, the platform, and we did a lot of work to make this thing a really beautiful, simple design, yet there's a lot going on in the background. Right. If you look at Facebook, it looks relatively simple. I'm sure there's, you know, thousands of people, <laughs> you know. It's amazing what it can take to make a really simple platform yeah. work and to really make it beautiful and and offer as much value as possible. And personally, it's, it's just to keep developing myself. I'm, I'm becoming increasingly more meditative, meditative, uh, yoga and taking care and i think you know as entrepreneurs it's so important to take care of ourselves it's uh we all get a bit nuts in our work and it's consuming and it's bloody hard and mm. it's hard to sleep at times because your, your mind's racing and i think it's so self-care is so important you know luckily i've been doing exercise since i was you know young teenager and so that's kind of a habit for me but sometimes mm -hmm. it, it takes more courage to stop than it is to keep working and, I, and I, for me i want to work smarter rather than harder right. and realize that when i open my computer and there's like 10 things i'm working on at once maybe it's better just to do one thing at once you know right. rather than jumping between 10 things and i'm sure it is part of my brain knows it is but there's a habit about like tackling lots of things at once so i think for all of us you know just refining our process mm -hmm. and getting better at what we do and yet at the same time you know taking deep care of ourselves what we put in our bodies and how we sleep and how we exercise and you know nourishing both the body the mind the spirit and so i know it's going to be a big year and i think for all of us we have to be healthy to do our best work without a doubt without yeah. our health it's nothing and so it's i'm sure with all of that it'll, it'll be a, it'll be a busy year yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much. We, we're going to look to wrap up. Um, I just have a final question, and, and that's just uh, where's the best place to find you, follow you, maybe learn some more about uh, what you're doing or on social media? Yeah, look, cheers. Go to you know, I equal change, all one word, letter I equal the word change, I equal change.com. Mm -hmm. All of our social links are at the bottom. Follow us there. We've got a great Instagram and feed, which is happening, and we're going to be sending out newsletters soon, so you can sign up to those. Oh, great. Mostly, you know, any retailers who want to reach out and have a chat about what we do we'd love to chat with you and uh, about the impact that we're making yeah absolutely so for the audiences listening jeremy will be speaking uh, on the first day of the inside retail uh, conference that's going to be on monday uh, january 16th and i believe you're on 11 o'clock so uh, you can go to edge.insideretail.hk and pick up your tickets there 
it's just right around the corner. So we're really excited. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. I had a great time uh, catching up with you. And it's really exciting uh, to hear the, the wonderful stuff that you're doing. Uh, congratulations on all your success. And I look forward to seeing you in Hong Kong. Pleasure. Thanks, Jay. All right. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The Jay Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.